worship and satanic beliefs. It contains explicit scenes and descriptions of violent crimes and rituals. If Americans are asking who attacked our country. fell on a different world. And if this is thinking, you know, I should be getting this position, not Adam, and this guy is created from dirt. And how does the army feel about you being head of the Temple of Set? And the conspiracy theorists can say what they will. But... I want you to give me power over Adam. And I want you to give me soldiers and minions and all of these things. They have so much to gain and have such an material motive for putting a position on him. Remember the true and I want you to be able to give me the ability to whisper into the hearts of mankind. And uh, who was the grotto leader? I don't remember his name. You don't remember the name of a person who involved you in murder? Like, you know, just to sort of uh, include, like, another group in this, uh, like, uh, sort of a tapestry of all these uh, weird, like, esoteric movements that have, like, a, a ascendant presence, like, on the American right. You know, I remember that sort of uh, Michael Flynn thing where he started ranting about the Sevenfold Rays, like, literally quoting Elizabeth Clare Prophet. You know, she was like, she, I don't think she was actually an I am person, but she kind of had very sort of I am type yeah. beliefs which the Mo moonies do as well you know they like i remember dimitri sent me this hilarious thing where it's like everyone like i am stalin like i repent of being communist like i'm now like a moonie like you know uh moon there's is still awesome. a website that has the, the quotes yeah. of everybody like dead like 36 dead presidents Karl marx <laughs> hitler stalin everybody saying like, yeah the all religious figures yeah just saying moon is great like so it's the same kind of like ascended master thing but with a bit of like i guess geopolitical List, but yeah is there like an uh, like an established like clear connection between like the i am stuff and like moon was he inspired by it was he like ever a part of it or like is there has anyone substantiated that sort of uh connection super aware if they're like direct ties something to definitely look into though um i will i will say though uh that the moonies did their fair amount of channeling back in the day which is sort of yeah that um mm -hmm. and sort of like i feel like they were also probably involved with a lot of like the remote viewing kind of men who stare at goats kind of shit too yeah probably right yeah yeah uh, yeah that because they yeah that they, they, i think it was in the 80s which also is kind of a big de i mean the 70s and the 80s were both really big decades for that project stargate type stuff and yeah. oh apparently yeah it wasn't moon channeling but it was like they had designated channelers yeah, would. they had a couple designated channelers. Um, so yeah, there was a a, a person who was uh, channeling uh, Hak Jahan's mother, and there were people who were channeling. There were okay, so here just like an illustration of how racist the church is. There are two different um, African guys who at one point were 
supposedly channeling uh, one of Moon's sons who had died in a yes, car accident. That's right. And they called them both Black Hyunjin. That's just like, <sighs> like just, yeah, just fucked up. So, I mean, there was definitely like a bunch of that sort of stuff going on. Uh, and then and he also was, like Moon oh, yes. and his, uh, some of his uh, people were very strong proponents of the SDI Star Wars thing. Strategic. Interesting. Yeah, very strong. Like they, uh, one of the one of the guys was like lobbying for it. Also, Moon liked to claim that he came up with the idea and that he like told the government about it and stuff like that, and was like pushing that and stuff. Just yeah. like Lyndon Larouche. Mm, yeah. Who I mean, there are interlocks between kind of the Moon Network and the Larouche Network. You yeah, know, if you can believe it, and yeah. also with the like the deprogramming stuff because yeah. Larouche got very into this like regimented deprogramming thing like in the mid 70s kind of at the height of like the moon you could say maybe like oh the hysteria as that started about you know these guys are this church is coming in and brainwashing all these young people LaRouche was kind of dabbling in that too and then went on to uh well there's actually a whole Mitch Mitch Warbell connection I think the other tangential I am thing that you could make it's maybe a little bit tangential but Michael Flynn is yeah. the person that was basically anointed a couple years ago as like the only person that was worthy to fill the shoes of a <laughs> major sussler, General John K. Singlaub, who was the mm -hmm. head of the American mm -hmm. branch of Wackel in the 80s. Singlaub. That guy just... Yep, fucking Singlaub, who just died. All the goddamn time in movie shit. So fucking much. Wow. He's the worst. Yeah, seriously. And so, you know, Michael Flynn is like kind of the inheritor of John Singlaub and everything he was involved with throughout the Cold War. Yeah. He was also like a huge dude involved in Operation Phoenix in Vietnam. So in a way, I mean, it all kind of does circle back to like the same types of uh, people. Yeah. Maybe the deprogramming thing is uh, would be good to talk about for a mm -hmm. second because you sent a Scribd article. Um, I don't know if it's academic piece or not, but... Uh, I think it was called like cults, uh, anti cults, and the cult mm -hmm. of intelligence. Yeah, um, that was yeah. partly written by I think wait, that was also John D. Marks, right? Um, yeah. Was, oh, yeah. okay, that was Marks. That was okay. an interesting article. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. Well, it was because you mentioned well, you mentioned the the sort of quote Black Hung Jin, who is kind of uses like a violent enforcer in the church, yeah. and he even like beat up Bohe Pak so badly that he ended up needing brain surgery in the eighties, mm -hmm. right? Like the, the, a lot of weird stuff like that. Yeah. But then it also kind of reminded me of um, somebody Gorenfeld talks about, which is Ted Patrick, who was like a very popular cult deprogrammer in the 1970s and 80s. And especially in this era where a lot of people were joining the Moonies, he would get hired by parents and stuff to like kidnap basically. Yeah. Moonies and, and quote unquote deprogram them. And it, kind of spawned a whole industry that kind of persists to this day. But there's people like Rick Ross, um, not the neither the rapper nor the drug dealer, but the I guess, doctor. <laughs> but apparently a convicted jewel thief in the 70s, according to Gorenfeld. I did not know that. And he's popped up a lot. I think he has the Cult Awareness Network, right? Yeah, that's Cam. Yeah. bad. Bad group. <laughs> 
definitely a bad group, right? And then there, I, I forget if Colin Ross is like a deprogrammer or somebody who just writes about cults, but he got into bed with both those Rosses are a little bit funky. I think somebody found at the end of his book, he just like thanks the OSS and like the CIA for like defending freedom. And you're like, what? The? You just wrote a whole book about MKUltra. Like, what's wrong with you? And he also, I think, uh, wrote for a Scientology magazine in the 2000s. So that's, mm, I don't know, maybe not the best judgment or whatever. But uh, but yeah, Cult Awareness Network and Rick Ross, what do you know about them? So let me just say this. Cult Awareness Network is a cult in and of itself. Um <laughs> And deprogramming is using the methodology of a cult and that trauma to try to take somebody out of a cult, which doesn't necessarily really work. And at the end of the day, just ends up traumatizing somebody in a compound way. Uh, um, so my mom was kidnapped by deprogrammers at one point. Um, wow. Like the guy tried to like have sex with her and stuff and just like I think locked her in like a room or a basement for a few days or something like that. Uh, didn't ultimately end up working because here she is still part of the Moonies. Um, yeah. But deprogramming is abuse and any sort of like de-radicalization has to come from a place of trust. It has to be kind and it cannot in any way, shape or form use the same forms of manipulation or coercion that a, that a cult does in the first place. It shouldn't at least, you know, it all worse. Um, but yeah, the Cold Awareness Network is very suspicious on a lot of levels. Like you look into sort of the stuff after Jonestown. Uh, there's a lot of weird stuff there. I feel like uh, so like uh, Congressman Leo Ryan, who was looking into that and then killed in Jonestown. Um, he was, you know, big into looking into sort of the cult, uh, the cult phenomenon and its uh, sort of connection to the government. And he was ultimately murdered for that. Um, his daughter at one point, you know, was very sort of like, hey, the CIA kind of did this. They fucked it up. And then at another point in time, she sort of changed her tune and then sort hmm. of go, went around with the cult awareness network. Um, really? Oh, geez. Yeah, I believe so. There's like, you know, the, the whole Jonestown, whatever the website is that has all the information of like, you know, like what actually happened and whatever. I don't remember what it's exactly. Black Hole of Guiana, I think. <sighs> that might be one of them. I think there's another one too. I think John Judge had a whole website. I think it's on like it, it's on a university website, maybe like a UC Santa yeah, Cruz I feel website. Like like or something. I'm not even sure yeah. exactly what it was, but um, it yeah. is. Yeah, it's, yeah. We did a whole episode on that with a Joe Green, who's written some stuff about Jonestown and went over just the whole weird CIA aspect of the whole yeah. thing and how per people were probably murdered, like yeah. all of them, you know, by yeah. mercenaries yeah, if you or look CIA. At the, the uh, the coroner's report for that it's not at all what they make it out to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and, so and similar, almost like a almost like a moon on the democratic side, you know? Because yeah, I think oftentimes when you see these networks operating, it's like kind of like you know, there's Epstein mostly going after Democrats, but then you had Larry King in the '80s who was going after Republicans. In the same sense, you had Moon cozying up to the Republican Party. Meanwhile, Jim Jones making friends with like every single Democrat in California. Right. And, you know, but in his case, it blew up and kind of made them all like look bad and like distance themselves. Yeah. You know, and I think them. that might have been part of the reason it happened was to sort of like shed this negative light on like the left or whatever. Yep. Crazy San Francisco. Sort of, like, opposition cults as sort of like a way to frame things differently or whatever. Like, oh, the left is crazy. They'll murder you and your families and like all that whatever shit. They say that. I mean, they say that, don't they say that today? Like wokeness is a cult, you know, like that's, <laughs> yeah. like a, that's a common line now. Like once well, again. Yeah. I mean, that's, and like, yeah, we're all like uh, brainwashed by going to college or whatever. That's the thing. Like, that's what's so like, we were just talking about this, like on a, on a recent episode where someone was talking about like how to deprogram a Luciferian 
Damien or what? Well, who was that? Was that a, a LaRouche thing or who's no, thing no, no, that that, was, that that was a, a the Nexium cult uh, leader. Oh yeah, Keith that, filed a patent uh, for deprogramming like, a loose, right? Yeah, which I think that really distills the point perfectly because this is like a an, a cult leader like talking about how to like deprogram someone like in these sort of uh, cult technique, like you know from. Uh, what they understand to be like brainwashing, even though like Nexium is probably in uh, for a time, I think, and still to an extent, like is like sort of the salient example of like you know brainwashing in the popular culture. Like, so yeah, it's really interesting how this dialectical kind of phenomenon emerges, where yeah, you have this sort of like anti cult movement that uses the exact same methodologies of the like because from your you know from the cult's point of view everyone is brainwashed by like society and like not being in the cult, you know, it's all Ooh, relative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, if the, the methodology is the same, it goes to show how you can like, kind of how these sort of movements or these uh, phenomena, I guess maybe move across, uh, like apparent, like huge, like divides or like, yeah. he, like, uh, even like enmity or like a uh, acrimony between groups like the sort of development of these like technologies or like larger cultural trends, like transcend like these sort of like, Oh, these people hate each other or right. like, these are, you know, like you can, people are like, Oh, what's, you know, people will even like support or encourage things that are like, you know, supposedly their enemy or whatever, just to like mm-hmm. harvest the developments that they have, you know, in whatever technology or idea they see, they feel is, valuable yeah um yeah but it's a dangerous game obviously yeah. uh i mean elisa correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't dr jolly west on the board of can at some point i i'm not positive but i would not be surprised to hear that at all um and that guy was a fucko yes he is a total sicko like absolutely involved in mk ultra like through and through and also the MK search stuff. Like he was at the hate Ashbury free clinic, like tending to the Manson family members, you know, and taking notes like during the summer of love and stuff. I think it was this article by Daniel Brandt. That was it. Cults, anti-cultists and the cult of intelligence that mentioned kind of the problematic aspect of, of can and how Dr. Jolly West was like on the board, which is just a little bit, like, why would you trust somebody like that if you're yeah. like, the it just shows curious anti cult group board? Like, that's not great. Yeah. I, I mean, like, that's literally the last person I would trust to, like, yeah. rescue me from a cult. Um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, so they've ended up I mean, they engaged in some really like problematic and abusive practices practices i guess ted patrick he was a black guy but he was like an evangelical christian so he even kidnapped i guess at some point like mormons and catholics Mm -hmm. because he believed that both were like satanic you know distortions of christianity and they were cults and stuff and of course a lot of moonies um i think he brought a camera crew like a tv camera crew with him that turned into a disaster Mm -hmm. and stuff and it it, it also feels to me very much like kind of catch people coming and going. Yeah. Like if somebody's falling out of the cult, well, then give them a pseudo savior who is going to uh, – well, I've seen a lot of people write this that it's really not deprogramming. It's reprogramming, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. am honestly wondering like I don't know what their uh, sort of rates of like people actually ending up leaving met, like cults through that is. But I would say that for a lot of people it reinforces those cult beliefs. Mm-hmm. 
And I wonder if that might be sort of like, oh, we notice you're sort of trying to leave. Let me sort of like put you back in there by abusing you more. A by design kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Like give them a horrible experience when they finally do get like plucked out of the cult and then yeah. it drives them back into their arms. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It would in some cases definitely um, yeah. kind of uh, add up. Yeah. So this article that, that you sent, cults, anti-cultists and the cult of intelligence. How do you feel about kind of the use of the word cult? Because some academics, uh, I think maybe we mentioned up top, are kind of allergic to that term now and think that it's, you know, it's problematic or whatever. Do you have any particular opinion on like when something should be called a cult or not? Yeah. Um, so I guess my personal working definition for the word cult would be sort of like any extremely coercive and manipulative group that has sort of like a hierarchical structure that uh, sort of tries to dictate like multiple, if not all facets of your life. Um, for, you know, support of whatever their group is and that it's heavily reliant on various forms of abuse. And uh, yeah, so it's not even just like, you know, people who are together and they believe the same thing. Like that's not a cult. Like, you know, there has to be this like inherent sort of like abusiveness to it and Mm -hmm. uh, manipulativeness slash coercion. That's a part of it as well. So that's that's how I use it personally. Um, and I know, yeah, obviously people in a lot of different places like differ in that. And there's like sort of like the more academic meaning of it um, as opposed to like, you know, the sort of like high demand group kind of meaning. But for all intents and purposes, I do personally use the word cult a lot because I feel like it has that sort of like impact to it. Where somebody hears, oh, cult, there's, there's automatically something in your brain that goes, oh, there must be something wrong there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just because of sort of like the associations people have with it. So I'm not against it. However, I think that, you know, in certain cases, it can be misused, like when right wingers call LGBTQ people a cult or yeah. something like that. Like, that's just not a fucking cult. That's not how that fucking works. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like I, I don't know. Being a liberal, well, as much as I might be tempted to say being a liberal is like being in a cult, uh, a, but it's still stretching it like a, in a big way, mm-hmm. um, and not the way that the right wing people mean it. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's well, like over. Yeah, I mean, it's like I mean, a cult basically in popular parlance like a term of abuse. Yeah, um, which is like you know some people you can like refer to them with pejoratives. Like it's fine. Like if they do shitty things. And you can refer to them with pejoratives. I think that's okay. Like, everyone's going to do it. I mean, like, yeah, like, for instance, I don't know, someone might call you, like, an asshole for doing something, like, really normal. Like, I don't know, supporting, like, what's a really milk toast policy? Like, I don't know, single-payer healthcare or something. They'd be like, oh, you're an asshole. Like, you hit the free market or, or something. I don't know. Like, but I don't know. I mean, cult isn't really like a I understand like why academics don't use it because it's it's you know uh not like a very precise term or doesn't really have like a definition beyond just being like kind of a a pejorative or an invective but I mean I think that's fine up to a point like you could call you know I don't know you could say lots of negative things about what the Moonies have done uh any you know yeah I do like Elisa your kind of like defining it in terms of like are there abusive dynamics or are there like abusive high control dynamics yeah. present kind of thing because I think also getting into it because now when I hear cult even though I know it's like literally not always the case but in so many more cases than I would have assumed like years ago there's like some kind of weird connection to other entities and forces involved yeah. in a lot of these cults where they don't just kind of exist in a bubble on their own yes. they've got powerful friends and backers that 
kind of guarantee their existence or make sure that they don't get scattered to the winds or right. bankrolling them. At the very them. least, enablers and at the very worst, like active supporters. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm just looking over like this, this article's like description of the connections just of like Bohe Pak and Moon himself and mm-hmm. how like close they were to Kim Jong-pil, the founding director of the KCIA and chief strategist for the Park regime and how Bohe Pak was actually the KCIA liaison to U.S. intelligence at the time, mm-hmm. stationed at the embassy in Washington and then became one of Moon's top aides and president of the Washington Times. Yeah, I think you mentioned earlier in 1962, Kim jong Pill made a two-week official visit to the U.S. and Lieutenant Colonel Bohipak arranged meetings with CIA Director John McCone, Defense Secretary Robert McNamara, and Defense Intelligence Agency Director General Joseph Carroll. On his way home, Kim met with some of Moon's followers in San Francisco. Pak's other duties at the Korean Embassy included frequent liaison trips to the National Security Agency at Fort Meade, Maryland. Like that, it was called no such agency back then. You didn't just like they were just letting people go like hang out at Fort Meade all the time back then. So, like you know, this is not just a normal group. But they also say maybe we haven't touched on this so much yet that today the Moon Empire is similar to a transnational corporation with various subsidiaries. Cult-like aspects remain visible among Moon's entourage, but from the perspective of most employees, many Moon enterprises are just like other corporations. Reverend Moon still considers himself a messiah, and his far-flung investments are the means he's using to save the world. His politics are essentially reactionary and anti-communist, and he has received political and financial support from Yoshio Kodama, Royoichi Sasakawa, and other powerful Japanese right-wing figures. In 1970, the Japanese contingent of Moon's organization sponsored the annual conference of the World Anti-Communist League. Then he goes on to talk about L. Ron Hubbard being probably a you know, naval intelligence officer. And just basically, like, it's kind of whack. When you really zoom out, it's actually not so wacky that all these intelligence agencies would have deep, you know, relationships with, you know, quote-unquote cults yeah. because of the activities that they like you know were able to engage in right. and stuff oh yeah here it is yeah west uh did serve on the board of can so yeah fox guarding the hen house and all that so i mean the the world anti-communist league you recommended that we read inside the league mm-hmm. which came out in 1986 really good book for anybody that just wants like a hard-hitting kind of breakdown of this evil organization for you know lack of a better word and how it eventually you know moon gets mentioned quite a bit in this as one of the chief you know kind of almost like the backbone of uh, this entire organization and also talks a lot about the like oss china group which has come up in a lot of our episodes, but seems to be intimately connected with both like the kind of Taiwanese milieu and moon. You know, this is like Ray Klein. Yeah. Who, yeah, was like uh, wrapped up in, he was a CIA station chief in Taiwan, uh, kind of around the time that like moon was first making his big moves and uh, very closely associated with Wackel close friend of John Singlaub when back to the forties, when both served together, you know, on the OSS like China team, he is also a senior associate at CSIS, the center for strategic international studies. And yeah, like that crew we've mentioned a lot, like pops up in all kinds of covert kind of activities. Um, even down to the whole issue of like Japanese gold that yeah. was stashed up in the Philippines. Like, I don't know if you've read the book Gold Warriors. 
I have read bits and pieces of it, and I would love to find whatever like actual like the documents that they used for that because I've been having a hell of a time trying to find all that. Um, but yeah, no, that that that's all. Yeah. Well, I want I do wonder about the gold stuff. Yeah, I haven't read the full thing either, but I, I plan on it. It's like a really fascinating kind of story lurking there in the whole, you know, context of the Cold War. And yeah. it does make me wonder about the the absolute gobs of money that Moon had, that a lot of which is routed through Sasakawa and all these Japanese Yakuza guys, and in kind of close partnership with this like OSS China kind of detail guys like Edward Lansdale, Ray Klein, like uh, Claire Chenault was another one. Oh, fun um, story about Lansdale. Um, so, yes. you know, the guy did a lot of psychological warfare stuff at one point. Oh, yeah. I don't think they ever put this into actually action, but this sort of relates back to the Mooney shit in my opinion. Uh, in Cuba, there was one of the plans to sort of like take down Castro was that they were going to fake the second coming of Jesus Christ. And they oh, were yeah. Castro is the Antichrist so that somebody would kill him. So again, I don't know what? if they ever actually did this, but <laughs> Wait, where, what, where'd you Interesting. hear this? This is crazy. Interesting. Yeah, this, is, this is like in writing in several places, but Lansdale at one point, he sort of like came up with this idea to do that. Um, and then, you know, lo and behold, of course, you know, he's like, you know, I, I've seen at least one place where he was like attending a Mooney event and stuff. So it's like, come on, like, you know, they tried this shit. They actually did. They just tried it somewhere else. Like, <laughs> interesting. Well, yeah, he wow. all we had covered on an earlier episode point. that Lansdale cooked up an idea. He cooked up a, a psyop scheme in the Philippines to like yeah. fight rebels ab about the the Oswang, which is kind of like a yeti type figure in their culture yeah, and vampiric he, was, yeti kind yeah. of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and tried to like tie them to the communists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, blood sucked, they were blood. Dead, drained of their blood and was like, oh, I hope people blame yeah. this on Oswang. It's an increasingly I, famous story. <laughs> yeah. Um, wild. That's, we hadn't heard the, uh, the second coming, coming of Christ thing. Though. No, yeah. I had not heard that. That's straight up blue beam uh, tier. Project like, blue beam. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fake um, a voice of Allah kind of. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. There's uh -huh. been rumors about that for years that, that that's always been like a strategy. Oh, they're going to fake like an alien landing or something. And then, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, those are like <laughs> the. Well, you know, the, at least you hear like rumors and there's like a lot to substantiate them i don't know if like this is like in writing or anything but the ufo calls for something that they were like yeah. deeply interested in like during the yeah. same kind of period of time and like there is a lot of crossover between something like realism for instance you know in terms of like the doctrine like and you know these things are like very there is a heavy kind of like ufo presence in the sort of new religious movement milieu yeah. but it kind of like blurs into the sort of you know it's a it's an aesthetic difference a lot of the time between that yeah. and something like, you know, the unification church doctrine. And I would say um, there's another sort of a phenomenon that I've sort of been looking into, just like uh, people who are part of multiple cults at different points of time, but also the same point in time. Uh, like, I know there's a yeah. lot of um, Mooney overlap with QAnon. That, I mean, it, it would oh, only really? make sense. Yeah. Um, actually, Rod of Iron Ministries in Japan worked with Falun Gong and Happy Science uh, to uh, organize QAnon events. So, really? yeah, okay. So, like, there's like a significant portion of, I think, specifically like Rod of Iron, but I'm, I'm guessing also like mainline UC people that would also fall into the QAnon category. 
Yeah, um, yeah. That, <laughs> my mom it makes I don't. Yeah. Who What's that? Joined different cults at different points in time. Before she was a Mooney, she was part of a, a, a yoga cult called Ananda Marga, which I haven't really done really? much research into. But I would love to because I want to know what that you know like if there were any weird connections with that sort of. Um, uh, there's a lot with those, like the Hari Krishnas and a lot of those ones coming out of India in like the sixties and seventies, like the, a lot of them, maybe some are more sus than others, yeah. but there are definitely some that are very, very like weird. Um, well, that was like kind of, you know, this whole thing with brainwashing, like that's what's kind of interesting about like the, even the way that like the, like, as I was saying at the very beginning, like the way that like the phenomenon of the moon is, is frames today, uh, or even like this, the sort of crisis, uh, the presidential crisis they had in South Korea a few years ago, uh, with like a, a different oh, yeah. group, but a similar kind of, uh, cult thing where it's like, oh, you know, this is like the Rasputin of Korea and things like that. You know, that was kind of like the big interest, like a, a big interest of MK ultra, like was like very much framed as not only like brainwashing per se and like how it was being used by like Maoists or whatever, but like Eastern psychiatry and like yeah. Oriental, the or, the mind of the, like, you know, the East or, and things like that. Like you can see how that was like a, a main place for like, uh, and of course you could see like the, the huge rise in like quote unquote Eastern spirituality happening in the West at the same time. The quote, the quote unquote, Self-realization fellowship, West. TM. Yeah, like de there's definitely a relationship, you know, like there absolutely is. is. And it's attested to various degrees. Yeah. Is they um, they used a, a huge amount of anthropologists and sociologists to sort of like study these things and sort mm -hmm. of like figure out what would work for different indigenous populations in different places and how to yes. sort of play that game. Like Gregory Bateson. Um, like Gregory Bateson. Yeah, we yes. talked about our last episode, you know, a kind of a, an OSS anthropologist during World War II who was writing about, you know, a, we found some of his reports, you know, that he had written during the war about how, you know, how to deal with India after the war and basically saying, like, you should not abolish colonialism, like, definitely be colonial, but you should find more, like, indirect ways of doing it and, like, lean into their cultural beliefs and, right. you know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of thing. I mean, or, like, Obama's mother being an anthropologist funded by the Ford Foundation in Indonesia right around the time of that coup and yeah. half a million people getting slaughtered, you know, it's like... Yeah, there's a long history of anthropologists, particularly in the Cold War, studying things for like tactical nefarious reasons to, yeah, how do you manipulate whole, that, I think that's the part of MKUltra that often gets missed or yes. kind of gets lost in the limited hangout is that it was just about the individual, about like giving somebody acid and brainwashing that, that one, one at a time. But it's and like, population it too. It, yeah, oh, oh my God. Yeah. Like it was basically, how do you control entire populations yes. through culture, media, technology, drugs? Like they, they had a full spectrum approach. Like Bohe uh, Bach said, it's a mind war. I found the like citation for this sort of second coming plan, which actually was one of Lansdale's ideas, according to this guy, Thomas Parrott. It's in a document which you can find on intelligence.senate.gov called Alleged Assassination Plots Involving Foreign Leaders. This is what he had to say. <laughs> Sorry, I was just reading something else about how uh, uh, McNamara is stating, I don't believe we contemplated assassination about uh, ca uh, for Castro like in the aftermath of the Bay of Pigs. Uh -huh. But anyway, so Parrott sarcastically characterized Lansdale's plans as follows. I'll give you one example of Lansdale's perspicacity. He had a wonderful plan for getting rid of Castro. This plan consisted of spreading the word 
spread the second coming of Christ was imminent and that Christ was against Castro, who was Antichrist, and would be a manifestation of this thing. And at that time, this is absolutely true, at that time, just over the horizon, there would be an American submarine which would surface off of Cuba and send up some star shells. And this would be the manifestation of the second coming and Castro would be overthrown. Well, some wag called this operation and somebody dubbed this Elimination by Illumination. <laughs> yep. Wow. Wow, that's straight up Project Bluebeam. It is real. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the, the in various forms, you know, it's ain't nothing new. Yep. Well, and yeah, that pretty much proves like work. everything that we've ever said on the show <laughs> about anything. Yes, I know. I very much appreciate that. That's one of my fav new favorite factoids that I'm sure I'll be right? bringing up I, many, I, I many talk times. about that one all the time. I'm like, hey, guys, guess what happened at one point? Or well, that's what almost happened at one point. No, I'm well, just now yeah. hearing of this, and you've never heard of it either, have you, Dimitri? I know, I haven't. Yeah, so I haven't. there you go. That's yeah, that's. I mean, well, now you know the, Q the, the QAnon people you know. are practically like saying that you know the the good ETs are gonna you know come down any day now, and where they're right. gonna put Trump back in office, and like, or, or you know, or they're like, I don't know, what is it? I forget. Who keeps saying it? Um, like this one, uh, like lady political. I forget what her name is, but she keeps tweeting something about like the second coming is imminent kind of shit. Like, girl. I mean, I guess that there's a lot of evangelical currents that say that that have been yeah. saying that for years. And but. now they have all this sort of like background of like, I don't know, uh, you know, like the world is devolving very in a mass way towards like chaos and also like climate change and all that stuff. So I think for a lot of people, they do think it's the end days. I know Moonies do in a way. But like basically it's sort of like all of these doomsday cults are there's this like sort of contextual information that people take to mean that they're right. And so that's been like sort of a like a, a big thing. And I honestly like part of me is really wondering if they're trying to like fucking portray Trump as like the second coming. Because I wouldn't oh, be anywhere outside of yeah. their range of like fucking shit they've tried, you know what I mean? Well, um, I mean, yeah. there definitely are groups like I think negative 48 like yeah. outright says that Trump is Jesus. And even if they don't say that, he's certainly a sign of the hour or like, you know, he's a he's an eschatological say, figure in some way. Um, they said he's a Cyrus the Great before, you know, yeah, like right. the book of yeah, Daniel. Yeah. Negative 48, even though they have like definite differences from a lot of other sort of like QAnon paths. I think in a general way, it's like a good way to sort of take the temperature of the general QAnon environment. Um, just mm. because I don't know. I mean, they also like what they help set up for Trump rallies and shit. So they're just like right in there. Like, like, you know, doing all I this. Mean, shit. I check in on QAnon people every now and again. And I feel like the negative 48 stuff, like while still like pretty out there, like, yeah. isn't like, I like you see a lot of stuff having to do with like otherworldly entities, like yeah, Pleiadians, aliens, thing amount of that. And it's very, it's very, uh, uh, disturbing to say the least, because I mean, like, I, you know, there's like sort of the regular dehumanizing language, like calling people dogs or like whatever. Mm -hmm. But like yeah. the next level of calling people like demons, clones, robots, all yeah, of a widespread problem. Like, yeah. Something and that Alex Jones has been doing for yeah. a long that's, time. I mean, that's like demons, one of my you know, that's like, like, yeah, that's like one of my least favorite things that people do is like just straight up like dehumanize others for even like, you know, the thing of like, uh, you know, people who take the vaccine, like lose their souls or whatever, like right. which, yeah. you know, uh. That is like, and you know, when people were like, oh, you know, if you 
are unvaxxed, you deserve to die or whatever. It's two sides of the same coin where it's like this person has forfeited their humanity in some way. And I think that that's just like fucking, I don't know. I think that's like the most sick thing, but it's like incredibly widespread. That's yeah. fucking genocide. Which yeah, is like the task we're fucking on right now, and that's not great. Um, yeah, not to say that there are not concurrent genocides already happening in the United States because that's a fucking thing too. Um, but I just worry about sort of like, like sort of like an American version of the Contras, kind of like these street gangs that are just gonna. Yeah. Anyways, that's that's the thing. That, that, yeah, sure. that's definitely Contra, coming. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's all like the end times have been imminent forever <laughs> like right. they've literally they're always been imminent they're like there's no such thing as like an idea that the world will end when it's like not imminent like yeah like people i mean and time moves pretty quickly so like in a way i guess like you know they uh were but they weren't necessarily as imminent as perhaps people thought you know you do have a lot of failed prophecies out there but yes. yeah like every generation seems to think that they're the final generation that's going to exist on earth uh maybe we are like uh well, you know now I do we think we that also you know things look pretty uh, grim but that sentiment like is definitely like a very potent political I, force throughout yeah, history like you know, well, especially now because we can do we have the technological means to actually end most human life on right. Earth. Like it, it yeah. like we could, for most of human history, like you couldn't do that even if you wanted to. Right. But for the last 60, 70 years, that's been an option on the table like that, you know, yeah, works in true. the back. So you could be totally just atheistic or whatever and still feel like the end is around the corner and the apocalypse right. is coming from so nuclear weapons. Technological advance kind of. The, the level that fascism and imperialism rely on technology historically is not like anything that's fucking changed and just like continues to ramp up. And that's concerning. Yeah, the entire development of like the military industrial complex and like computing and the the way it was shaped and developed and stuff. And I think more people are kind of saying things like this these days, even stuff with like school shootings about how MK Ultra. It's almost like become baked into the entire structure of how the internet functions, where yeah. like it's possible for you, if you get in the right information silo and you're in the right state of mind, you can almost like brainwash yourself yeah. into a really dangerous like situation. And it's almost like by design. Like and the, 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 push it. They really do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The algorithms push it. Like the YouTube yep. is the most like glaring example of that. Like yeah. because like we talked about this before on the show but like they they will just take like whatever the my favorite example to use is how my fiance was like looking into like uh tiny houses or like living in a small space or something because despite our rumored uh, wealth we live in a studio apartment uh between the two of us and my office is the kitchen so you know she was like looking up things to organize small spaces and they started like the algorithm just takes whatever you're looking at and just like brings it to the most extreme thing yeah. ever. Like it started recommending your videos about like living in like a, you know, like a, a three foot by three foot box or something, oh, you know, like it's like, yeah, like, I mean, obviously, you know what I mean? But like the, like, escalate. yeah, it just like takes whatever theme and just like brings it to the furthest extreme, yeah. you know, like, and yeah, I mean, but except for politics, because even if you're looking at, something that's i don't know left wing it'll start showing you nazi shit until you become a nazi right. that's maybe one exception it won't take not being a nazi to the extreme it'll take yeah it's uh, like it'll, there's it'll a stress algorithm somehow that... yeah around into being a nazi but yeah i mean i almost think in a way like yeah you're correct to be true that like we now have the, the means to destroy every single human life on the planet which is a, a unique uh phenomenon historically but i mm -hmm. almost feel like the belief which you know and you, you can draw the distinction and say like yeah even in a secular way but even from the religious paradigm 
there isn't like that much of a difference because even like, you know, generally religious people believe that there's going to be like, you know, you're always looking at signs. You're always saying like, oh, you know, this is going to be uh, oh, that like, you know, the world's going to shit. The world's going to mm-hmm. shit like any second now. So it's really the same kind of reflex. And I think that yeah. belief like is almost as powerful or like is really the source of power that like the technology kind of like supports sort of the idea that like, you know, we're living, you know, that we're the final generation. The idea that like the the millennium is upon us like that is like an incredible source of political power that is contested. Like, you know, you want to be the one to control that, which, and it's quite, it's quite a, uh, like a dragon to like try to wrangle, but it's, I think it's a huge investment in having control over that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's also sort of where it goes into sort of like these very in-depth, but personalized psychological operations. Whereas like algorithms can sort of like, or like the, you know, technology that we have right now picks up on whatever trends or you're already exhibiting and then is able to very specifically target you with things that will maybe change your mind about something or like, you know, it's very tailored to the individual person, which makes me sort of think about sort of like the, um, I mean, I guess this goes back into MK Ultra too, sort of like not just like the genocide, but the manticide, uh, like mm-hmm. getting rid of different types of neurotypes that are not specifically like desired or trying to, you know, engage people based on whatever their sort of neurotype might be or their personality type um, oh, yeah. and like targeting people specifically in those kind of ways. Um, mm-hmm. cause I mean, you know, the getting your, the whatever, getting your, getting your sort of like assessment thing with a personality. That's yes, yeah. The personality test. So, yeah. Like all of that sort of like comes into culmination today where it's like, we have these very advanced technologies that will like specifically target you in very like on the nose ways. Like, I can't tell you how many times, like I'd be like, you know, scrolling through my phone and I get an ad for something I just thought about. Like, yes. yeah, even, yeah. same I here. Set it. My computer can't even pick it up from my, from it's, my voice. Just it's amazing how it's impossible to get this shit to stop listening to you no matter yeah. what you do. Like, it will always fucking listen to you and it will always, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's really amazing. Yes. And like the, it's getting to be a little bit scary and strange. Like the, I think we were talking about this in a recent episode that hasn't come out yet. Like the predictive capabilities of this yeah. stuff, the way that it can yeah. intuit and like jump to like, you know, make conclusions, like, and sort of like stay a little bit like ahead of you like you know it's one thing if you're like playing a computer game against like a chess computer or something but when it's like in the sort of uh the info war battlefield of like or just like trying to get information about something and you feel like there's an adversarial relationship with the tool that's supposed to be like an information search or something like Mm -hmm. where it's trying to lead you in a certain direction i mean Mm -hmm. it's like in a way that's really i think pretty unprecedented like yeah of course like books have narratives and things like that but it's a it's a different level like it's yeah. like there's a, a way that like things that are predictive can also be conditioning yeah, yeah. for you sure know, in the same time like because it is like it's nudging you a favorite word yeah. of the technocrats in like certain directions away towards this away from that and it's like it's way more complex than anybody like has enough time or energy to think about you know on a daily basis so we all just accept it and like hope that we don't get like manipulated too hard but you can clearly see like the dark side and like the social control the kind of distributed social control aspect of it you know kind of happening in my view we have gone way overboard on the soak the rich rhetoric normally when i think of the washington beltway press corps i think of well not gonna say it wouldn't be prudent 
But when I think of the Washington Times, I think of a publication that has brought much needed balance to the way Washington is covered these days. March of Human History Toward Peace. The 20th century was a dramatic turning point in history when humanity crossed through the paths of freedom and traversed the sea of equality to finally approach the gates of peace. The Cold War has come to an end. And now, a new world of peace without national boundaries, so longed for by all people and nations, is about to dawn. The power of true love in action, guided by a vision for an ideal world, the dream of surmounting the high walls between religions, between races, between nations, and between worldviews, is becoming a reality. The era of the eternal peace kingdom one global family under God is upon us. in the Dirksen Senate office building in Washington, D.C., in the U.S. 81 U.S. Senators and members of Congress, 26 ambassadors to the United States, and some 450 leaders from various fields came to participate in the Ambassadors for Peace Awards and Crown of Peace Ceremony. The program for the evening was presided over by the respected Baptist minister and civil rights leader, Reverend Walter E. Fontroy who served in the U.S. Congress for some 20 years. The evening began with congratulatory remarks from representatives of the Senate and House of Representatives. Always standing up for what is right, consistently standing up for peace, and I'm so pleased that he will be receiving an award tonight, for he richly deserves it. Following this, awards were presented to ambassadors for peace who have demonstrated strong leadership in the resolution of global issues. Where there was hate, they gave love. Where there was conflict, they brought reconciliation. Where there was strife, they brought peace. The presentation of the awards drew enthusiastic applause as each person was honored for living for the sake of others, resolving conflict, and striving to bring about peace in the global community on an interreligious, international, and interracial basis. Maintaining world peace and saving mankind from the scourge of war is the raison d'etre of the United Nations, and we remain committed to working towards that ideal. Respect for diversity of cultures and faiths and races, and the good of all mankind. The ceremony for reconciliation between races, nations, and religions that had formerly been hostile to each other deeply moved the hearts of all those present. And a miracle occurred that day. One Jewish rabbi, seeing the three faces of Islam, Christianity, and Judaism coming together in reconciliation, suddenly came to the stage to give a prophetic proclamation. 
angels, malochim, run to the Kisei HaKovod, run to this holy chair of the throne of God, and they say, is it time for the true Mashiach to come? Is it time for the true Messiah to come? I will now do this because I have never seen this miracle where Jews, Christians, and Muslims come together for peace. reading this poem Crown of Glory when I doubt people I feel pain when I judge people it is unbearable my heart is bursting such agony but when I love those who acted against me I brought victory if you have done the same thing, I will give you the crown of glory. The final thing maybe to like uh, focus on in terms of, uh, or that I wanted to focus on today, is kind of how all this plays into right now, particularly with Sean Moon's Rod of Iron Ministries, because that brings together a lot of what we were just talking about. Uh, first of all, using the internet to develop, like really leaning on the internet, you know, much more than the pre-internet you see uh, in kind of building a certain following. And also it's like championing of like holding AR-15s all the time, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think it's like a, a worship object, like a religious act of like, yeah, like just uh, the rod yeah. of iron. Exactly. Yes. And yeah. And just kind of like, you know, what, what are we to make of the rod of iron ministries, which seems to be, very kind of plugged into like this Trump MAGA milieu in a similar way to how Reverend Moon was plugged into like Nixon and Reagan. Well, actually, do you know the particulars of how Sean Moon and his mother uh, came to like split after Moon's death in 2012? So, yeah, um, what it was was that uh, before Moon's death, uh, Moon had basically crowned Sean as the inheritor of the kingdom and sort of the whatever messiahship or whatever. So according to Moon, he was the guy who was supposed to take control. Um, However, then Hawk Jahan continued um, and, and kept in control of the mainline unification church. So Sean split off. He did his own thing. And of course, you know, there's that very sort of like religious reverence of guns, the uh, proverbial rod of iron from the Bible, the Bible. So it's all sort of like devolved from then, basically. Yeah. And he's based he's based in Pennsylvania. And he also has bought land in Tennessee where he wants to build like a replica of the the holy city in Korea. I forget the name of it. Um, Yeah. 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 And also, uh, you mentioned he just bought land right outside of Waco, Texas. Oh, yeah. I think in the last year. To prepare for war against, I forget what his quote exactly was, but it was something along the lines of to to prepare people for war against the globalist, deep state globalist Marxist or something like that. Yes, of course. Because we all know that international capitalists are all hardcore Marxists. Yes, exactly. Um, (laughs) You know, Klaus Schwab is a Maoist. Yes, exactly. Hillary Clinton is a Maoist. Well, I mean, no, you see that so much. You see the he is riding all of the mainline currents right now. And I have to like I'll give the devil kind of his due in a a pretty savvy way. I mean, he was clearly, I think, to a large extent, raised in America, as were Mm -hmm. some of his brothers. So he speaks fluent English, you know, as well as Korean, unlike Moon, who I think always mostly had a translator. Right. 
for the most part. I know he did speak some English, but it wasn't like, you know, as good as Sean's, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Sean, clearly I watched, you know, this like vice documentary. Cause of course he has a vice documentary about him and, you know, some other videos of his where he's kind of putting on this, like, you know, I'm, I'm a heartland patriotic pastor kind of vibe. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, he's done his homework. Like he oh, knows kind of how to vibe like a modern day Protestant, kind of right-wing pastor in like a community church. You know the demographic kind of. he's going after, which is the sort of like dominionist kind of militia people. Mm -hmm. And yet, like it's so, like if you look at like an image of like the, like a rod of iron, like religious ceremony where they're all like clutching their AR 15s and wearing these like bizarre like tiaras mm -hmm. uh, or like bullet coronets. Crowns. Like, bullet are, they, are they, are they, are they, what are they They're called? made of bullets. They're, well, they're crowned. They're made of bullets. I didn't yeah, even realize yeah. that. They don't look like they're made of bullets, but anyway. Well, his uh, is. Definitely. Oh, his is made of bullets. Yeah, I see yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a bullet belt, but. Yeah, he's wrapped it around his head. But yeah, like you can see like all these like old dude like old white dudes, like, you know, who look like basically like Republican congressmen, like yep. wearing these weird like pink drapes and like these like glittery crowns, clutching their AR fifteens at like these ceremonies. Like the fact that like I don't know, I do feel like there's been like a little bit of softening up happening through things like the Q stuff that has like made this acceptable. Like it's like what the like what? Uh, like, like a normalization of wackier it's, kind of displays yeah. of like the idea that this is like yeah normal or like it's yeah, I don't know. It's well, very, it seems yeah. like he did. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Elisa, but it seemed like by the by the way the Vice documentary was telling it is that he did his first very public like AR-15 mass about I don't know a week or two after the Parkland shooting. Oh, gosh. I don't actually remember the timeline for that. Like, maybe he'd done some of it before, but it got a lot of attention after Parkland because yeah. everyone was talking about gun control. And then he here comes this pastor who's the son of Reverend Moon, like, with a everybody with, like, AR-15s. And, you know, people kind of uh, freaked out about that yeah. as, like, oh, my God, this is scary and dangerous. Like, why do they love – you know, that gun is almost – to the liberal, like, half of the country, that gun almost embodies, like, evil, reactionary yeah. – bad things like nothing good can come from an AR-15 and stuff and you know he they they went to like he, you know he takes his followers out to like a shooting range and he's all about really sounds like just like a hardcore like second amendment type yeah. you know and and kind of puts the religion a little bit I mean he does he gives a biblical justification by you know quoting the rod of iron passage from revelation or something but you know he kind of almost makes it like oh well, we're like a civil rights you know gun owner gun ownership group uh, a little bit which is very popular for a certain segment of the population that he's yeah. going after like right yeah, um, there's that. And then also it sort of like uh, it crosses over into sort of militia stuff because he's got the Rod of Iron Riders who, oh. you know, they were at January 6th. That's um, right. Help the capital. He's obviously training people for war against the globalist Marxist deep state or whatever his words there were. Um, like this guy is just, you know, trying to sort of like normalize mass violence is I, I think what it's partly about and uses very well. And I feel like the guy understands sort of like that sort of information warfare, that meme warfare kind of stuff where he knows he's very conscious of optics. Like you were saying, like right after Parkland, this happened. Right. And the guy, the guy knows what he's doing. Right. He is very much sort of like trying to use image in a way that gets people on board with his 
group, uh, even if they maybe were not like, oh, even if people have been like, oh, Reverend Moon's a little wacky, but this guy's got enough of this sort of like mainstream dominionist Americana sort of conservative militia yep. stuff going on that he can get crossover from those groups as well. Yeah. And it's if you amazing, say the right thing, like the lack of vigilance like that. I mean, but again, I guess like they're like not sincere, you know, I'm just, I'm, you know, my instinct is to give them like the benefit of the doubt and just be like, you know, can't you realize, like, you know, if you are, like, whatever, some kind of, like, Christian dominionist or whatever, you know, like, false doctrines are, like, seductive? Like, wouldn't you realize that, like, someone's coming to you, like, appealing to you with, like, things that give you, like, a libidinal thrill, like an AR-15 or whatever, but then he's telling you to, like, wear this crown and, like, you know, worship him or, like, you Yeah, know, you'd think like, there'd be a little more vigilance. That they, yeah, you'd, like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm giving them too much credit. I mean, I'm not because, obviously, it's manifest they don't deserve that credit but like those my reflex would be like what the yeah this is an amazing quote from him it's not enough that from sean moon that is it's not enough that folks now just come to sunday service and things like that and be a part of evangelism that way it's now critical that you take political office it doesn't matter how old you are because you are the patriots globalist satanists and political satanists want to take power in genocide like-minded communities and of course gun owning communities it's yeah like very like to get them riled up and get them exactly like very uh you know red meat type of rhetoric but and smart yeah. i mean didn't he also go to harvard divinity school I believe it was, it was, a did. it might've been Yale or something. I'm not positive. Okay. Oh, the vice thing said he went to Harvard to like study religion. So I thought maybe it was the divinity school. Yeah. And, but yeah, I mean, he's definitely, he's polished and like, he knows his audience in a way that like, I think maybe even a little bit better than uh, Reverend moon who sometimes would like, a lot of, I guess a lot of people made fun of his like 1974 Madison square garden, like karate chop kind of performance where they were like, you know, they stopped showing that video because they're like, he, he kind of goes a little too hard, like yeah. kind of like freak people out a little bit. But Moon, Sean Moon is very kind of slick and he's and he's networking with all the right people. I just noticed, yeah. I mean, for one, uh, who knows who Roger Stone is talking to these days, but we know Roger Stone is big Alex Jones compadre. Alex Jones is at January 6th, obviously. And were Sean Moon's people like actually breaking into the Capitol, like actively, like... So I believe you uh, don't quote me on that because I don't know the specifics, but I, 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 I recall, I think they were. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting because they haven't gotten like, the, the, I don't think they've gotten prosecuted or anything, right? I know they were one of the groups that was sort of like kind of leading the charge, I think, in a way um, on one of the sides of the Capitol, I believe. I'm not hmm. 100% sure on all the details there, but it the info's out there, so... I could see, you know, because there were there were rumblings that like, what if a few of these like MAGA Congress people like low key, like, you know, left the door unlocked for like some of these militia groups and stuff. But nothing really ever nothing's come out yet that really like substantiates that. But, you know, if anybody was able to like lean on a congressperson to do something like that, I feel like it would be a moon that would find a way to convince them. And and then they kind of slink away and like don't really get some people pointed a lot of some people kind of pointed out they were there but like they're kind of like just kind of chilling doing their thing um mm -hmm. not really getting attacked but i noticed i was looking through old like interview subjects of sean moon because i guess he has a pod here he did have a podcast at some point and had all kinds of right-wing figures on i mean you already mentioned he had an epic times person you know at, at the freedom festival yeah. but he also had dr jerome corsi who <laughs> 
like is a longtime InfoWars guest, and I think he might be also a Newsmax writer who or wrote wrote for like World Net Daily, which also has weird kind of wackle like Moon uh, tangential connections. Kind of comes out of the same milieu. So Sean Moon is talking to Dr. Jerome Corsi, who who I think was going on talking all kinds of stuff about QAnon over the last few years um, on Alex Jones's show. And so I, I wonder, because we don't know about Alex, I mean, he just had this big judgment against him and everything, yeah. but it's like, we really don't know with Alex Jones. Like, you know, he apparently has made a couple hundred million dollars off of his supplements, you know, company uh-huh. and, and things like that. But it's always, you know, I've always wondered, you know, is there a covert force like that's been propping up Alex Jones all these years yeah. because I think as he said, like his, I think his grandfather was John <laughs> yeah. Bircher. He described his, I almost freaked out reading inside the league, but I think you'd, he used to describe it like, well, my uncle was like the Oliver North of Guatemala in the eighties. <laughs> like, you know, and say stuff like, and you're like, wait, what? I'm just going to leave it that. Yeah. I'm just going to yeah. leave it to that. But yeah. it's like, whoa, your uncle was like in the military and was like doing Iran Contra stuff. And then I think near the end of, um, Inside the league, it mentions the CIA liaison to the Contras in northern Costa Rica was uh, Bruce Jones. And I was like, oh, my God, is that like <laughs> is that Alex Jones' uncle? It turns yeah. out, uh, no, that was just another sussler that happened to be named Jones. But uh, his he was actually his maternal uncle, William Forrest Hammond, who uh, served and did weird Iran-Contra, uh, mm-hmm. Biff Hammond who did weird uh, Iran-Contra stuff. He's passed away. Doesn't say it in his obituary. Oh, well, he was a helicopter pilot in the Vietnam War. Oh, and he got a PhD in Latin American history from the University of Guatemala. Okay, Mm. I'm just going to leave it at that. So, but I still wonder that uh, Alex Jones kind of coming out of that maybe milieu in Texas, like, was he propped up? Because he burst on the scene talking about Waco, talking about you know, the, the UN is controlled by the globalists and they're, they're about to, you know, they're going to move a UN army over here and they're going to take us out. So we have to form these militia groups. He really started out of that militia movement. And now he's kind of, he's kind of tracked in certain ways, kind of with the Mooney fronts for the most part, I would say like his entire career up through the Trump, not quite Q, but Q adjacent kind of era. I don't know. Have you ever seen it? Have you ever found any connections between Alex Jones and like the Moonies like directly? Uh, I don't think I have off the top of my head, but that's something I definitely want to look into. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think I ever specifically sort of sought that out either. Um, but it's definitely something I think would be extremely relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Because now, I mean, it's hard to tell if Alex Jones is going down or if he's being propped up to have like a second life as this kind right. of like wild culture influencer person that you people kind of respect. Like he's we'll had some nice see. treatments. What's that? But I guess we'll have to see. I guess we will. Yeah. Um, I, I, the other I thing mean, I it, want. It is surprising oh, yeah. how many people like are like, you know, standing by him or like saying that like it's a witch hunt or something, which is like, you know, it's like a civil case right i mean i feel like yeah like there are some things alex jones says that like maybe you could defend but i I like the sandy hook stuff like generally like i understand why the sandy hook families would sue him like i don't know like yeah and it seems like yeah it's a huge payout like but it's still not like all of his net worth like i think Mm -hmm. he'll be okay like it's still surprising people were like oh like poor alex jones it's like eh, like i don't know Maybe well, if it were some <laughs> other issue, like I would under, but like in this case, I don't know. Like, it, it's a little in a way, sort of see like this, like outcome of this trial, sort of like reinforcing him for the right wing. 
Um, like, I mean, already I've just like, you know, I watch a lot of Telegram channels and stuff and he's been, you know, you know, talking about that a bunch as well as going on like, but I think like, yeah, a couple different like podcasts and TV sh- or TV shows or stuff like for right wing uh, propagandists and stuff like that. And then I, I could easily see him sort of, you know, coming out of this uh, more powerful in a way, unfortunately. Um, and a big phenomenon yeah. is like his, you know, the uh, the left wing, the quote unquote left wing, like support for Alex Jones that I feel like has risen significantly. Like, you know, I yeah. think that you can give Alex Jones like some things like he's had a point about like a, a point about certain stuff, like mm-hmm. uh, as is often the case with like these types of people. But like on the whole, like especially like I feel like the thing that was at the heart of this, like, I don't know, I, I don't feel bad for him at all. Like, I don't know. What, Dimitri, do you have, like, uh, uh, I, like... It reminds me a little bit of, like, just this week, you know, there was, like, an FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago on Trump's, yeah. you know, residence and stuff, and, and conservatives have... Devi- it kind of has what you just described, Elisa. Like, it's having this galvanizing impact of yeah. all these conservatives rallying around him now because he's being persecuted. And I kind of feel like the same way of, like, I do think he probably is being like that is a politically motivated thing to like fuck with him, but it doesn't mean that like Trump's a good guy now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's still sus. It just means that like he's engaged in a dirty game with like people that maybe are trying to destroy him. But even the people that are trying to to destroy him, are they really trying to, or is there going to be some other result from this that ends up like kind of maybe blowing up in their faces either by design or not. Whereas like Alex Jones is a similar thing where all these liberals are going to dunk on him and be like, yeah, we canceled him. We took all his money. And then maybe that re bolsters his credibility with like conservative type people. Yeah. I certainly don't think that it will be a meaningful defeat for him. This at all. I definitely don't think that that's the case, nor do I think, yeah, uh, it's it's a similar situation like with, with Trump. Uh, Well also, yeah. the, The other thing, maybe getting back a little bit to like Sean Moon. Alisa, have you found any kind of evidence that, because there's so much evidence of money laundering going on in the entire Moon universe throughout the Cold War, probably to this day, you know, they own, we didn't talk about it too much, but the Tong Il Industries, which is like an arms manufacturer in South Korea, as well as like, they run like global fishing, like a global fishing business. So like, if you've ever eaten sushi, there's a good chance that it comes from like the Moon Company. And other things like that. But is there, have you seen any kind of evidence that maybe Moon is either bankrolling like other causes in a Washington Times kind of way or maybe like money laundering or anything? Do you even know how much wealth he has access to is like Moon's son, but like being divorced from the UC like main church? Right. Okay. I mean, he so seems to have money. I wonder about, and I have not done the largest amount of, you know, looking into personally yet. I wouldn't be surprised. Let's just put it that way. But I don't really have any concrete evidence to put forth at this point. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, given sort of his brother's gun company, arms and, you know, car arms arms and everything like that. uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's maybe like some sort of, you know, I don't know, smuggling thing there. I don't don't quote me there because I haven't, you know, like actually looked into that. Um, plus, sure. another thing on that level is that it a lot of this like rod of iron stuff is just so recent that there's not as much of a paper trail to go by for it. Um, there's not as much, you know, like You're there's right. not as much historical evidence because there hasn't been as long of a history there, you know. True. But I, it is something I would like to look into, <laughs> and if I find anything, I will absolutely send it to you. Oh, please do, please do. Yeah, because I feel like I'm like we're I'm gonna have my eye on the rod of iron from now on. Oh, like, just yeah. like keep track on like what they're up the to because 
the the thing that blows my mind with this is that like if you were to picture like you know i get what you're saying about how like, he talks a talk in some way but like you know to me it almost like you're what you would assume would almost be the reverse like if you had like a sort of like subversive like you know pastor uh figure or like uh, like someone who would like look you know, or like blend in in terms of like the appearance and everything. And then like the doctrine or like the ideas would be like subtly, you know, off or like trying to push people towards a certain direction. You mean like the, Whereas, the Hillsong approach? Yeah, maybe. Kind but of. like in this case, like, you know, it's like he just says all the fucking same shit as like, I don't know like general flynn or like any you know any or alex jones and but like the appear like the sort of superficial aspects are like huge red flags you know like we're gonna wear crowns we're gonna worship our guns like i'm wearing like a weird king outfit it's almost I'm not like saying you'd that advise like, him if you were a pr you know advisor you'd be like maybe drop like some of the well yeah and i mean and i stuff, feel like you know, there's nothing necessarily teams. wrong with that, nece- like necessarily. Like, if your religion was like not uh, like evil, then like there would be nothing wrong with any of that stuff. Uh, I mean, except for maybe worshiping an AR-15. Like, <laughs> but it's weird that like, I mean, it goes goes to like how you know the they say that they're intolerant, but they're really quite accepting of like a man who like believes that he is like one of the true parents and like is wearing like a king outfit and like telling you to like worship your AR-15. I don't know. I I think, I I mean, first of all, on the aesthetic level, I would say that Trump almost blew open the door on having like really gaudy like aesthetics, but like people loving it, you know, like, I mean, I mean, it's more than that though. Like Trump is is like, you know, but also Trump is like the most American guy you could be, you know, or like the most, but I mean, he's got a, he's got a crown of bullets, you know, like he's what's more American than that, you know, to these people's perspective, like he's like, I think in a lot of ways, like the things he's doing while they do seem extreme from a kind of like a, maybe a neutral objective, like distance, they've been quite normalized. Like it's almost a credit to Reverend Moon's like influence on the conservative movement over the last like 50 years that kind of led to like, whether you're talking about, you know, the Western goals, American Security Council, you know, Wackel, the, all these people in the Reagan and Bush administrations, all their cultural activities, you know, over the decades have kind of uh, created the space for this environment where a lot of this shit that would be considered like totally batshit in like maybe the 70s is totally normal now. It's been normalized. Yeah you know, through like yeah. long-term conditioning of uh, the conservative movement, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to overstate like how popular like these ceremonies are, but I definitely can see them becoming like much more so when he established, like, you know, fully gets the like Liberty campus or whatever running in Tennessee. It's very like... And the Death Squad stuff is a little creepy when you look at the history of Wackel and all the money that Moon sent uh, to like yeah. Death Squads. Um, that whole, yes. You're right. That whole thing running around with ar 15 almost like with itchy trigger fingers like yeah. I'm uh, this is all about self-defense but if somebody comes into my house oh you better believe it like yo they're gonna have trouble like you know it's that kind of excited kind of yeah and even the uh, rhetoric gun, gun that it's vibe. like we don't have like members we just have supporters or whatever yeah and the sort of political tenor of everything it's mostly about like influencing or like being involved in American politics either through actual like participation in like the political system or like i don't know some other means probably would be legitimate when like satanic uh globalists are like trying to kill you anything is justified 
like you were saying, it sort of like reflects directly like what Michael Flynn is in saying about like the local action has a national impact sort of thing, trying to get people involved in their local communities, running for, you know, office or being on the school board or whatever, like, you know, being in a militia, all that kind of shit, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, it's really, it, it's really creepy. And like, it's clearly, it's been in the works for a long time. Like yes. this, like this synergy between it's honestly and- like it seems like comical, like it, I, you know, it's like a, like a satirical. Almost seems like something that would be like on the leftovers or whatever that like right. people are joining this like group you know like uh, in significant numbers like i could see this you know this like anything could be a cult but like the fact this there's like momentum behind this like and you know and it had like because of potential impact on like mainstream american politics like and the, it's yeah very uh something yeah like it's on uh, yeah yeah i do want to say like although maybe the main line you see has less of like a a sort of like specific gun optics kind of thing going on uh there were like several times when moon liked to say things like oh uh so if the north invades south korea everybody in the united everybody in the unification church is is a volunteer soldier to fight against them so like a lot of this sort of stuff that's sort of like very kind of in the similar lane to that, although this is kind of the culmination of that, in my opinion, whereas maybe it was like there might have been sort of factions or communities within the church, maybe that were more pro-gun at uh, any given point in time in the past, whereas now this is just sort of like to the forefront for at least Rod of Iron and just like sort of their MO. Yeah, that would make sense because I guess they don't have, I mean, when you get to East Asia, you really don't have like a it's not possible to have a gun culture the way you have it in the United States, right? Like I, I assume in South Korea, I know in Japan, there's basically no legal gun ownership, but in South Korea as well, you probably can't buy assault weapons, I assume. Uh, I'm not sure about legalities there, although I know there's like, you know, less of a gun culture, I guess. So mm-hmm. just about everywhere, really, yeah. <laughs> Like you know, it's hard to beat the U.S., and I mean, the other thing with the the irony about like Moon's influence, though, really, I guess it, it makes sense if you zoom out, is also his like utter, it's not all the time, but often like his contempt for America and like his absolute contempt for democracy yeah. that yeah. is like not very heavily disguised. No. Uh, you know, just like him ragging on Jesus, like he hates democracy. And even he even like periodically would insult George Bush, who was like one of his biggest supporters all the time. Like and say like, oh, I think he like yelled, like he talked tons of shit about George Bush after he lost to Clinton and said like, he's weak. I told you like he's never, you know what I mean? Like, because I mean, that's a big thing. We didn't talk too much about George Bush's, you know, close friendship, but he really popped up in the 90s after he was president going over to Japan all the time to speak at these moon of like these front organization moon events, even after like journalists would confront him about it and be like, why are you talking to a moon thing? And he would just be like, well, like the, the international family friends association is that I haven't seen anything bad that they're doing, you know, and just kind of play it off. But, uh, I think also Neil Bush, uh, his son, George W's brother got involved in some weird business arrangements in the 2000, like when Bush was president, when Bush two was president, he got into some weird, uh, like business relationships with him with the UC so it's like uh, I don't know but also the Bushes have been kind of thrown out so I wonder like I wonder if the Bush wing of the Republican Party is somewhat analogous to like the mainline UC run by uh, you know Hak Jahan and that 
they're still kind of fascists at the end. They're still drug trafficking fascists at the yeah. end of the day. But for some reason, there's a little bit of a split between them, maybe the the more old blue blood types, and right. the Trump faction. Yes. Yeah. Like or the, they're like they say it. You know, it's just like for them, it's like oh, these uh, these like establishment conservatives are like too comfortable and they're not pushing the line hard enough. They're not going far enough kind of shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because, you know, Alex Jones, one of the kind of things that gave him some credibility to certain kind of alternative types, I think in his earlier years, is that he was pretty much at like talking shit about the Bush administration all through the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Like he he's never been interesting for a guy from Texas, right wing guy from Texas, that he always kind of like, was painting the Bushes as like tools of the globalists, like fake conservatives, yeah. et cetera. So he was kind of against the Iraq war, you know, in a certain type of way. So I think even like anti-war lefties in like the 2000s maybe like got a little bit down with Infowars because he was talking about how Bush did 9-11 and stuff like that. But it was like not coming from, it was coming from a specific kind of perspective, which was yeah. like people to the right of Ronald Reagan who like didn't trust Reagan and Bush, which is... Yeah. Uh, a quite yes. a yikes crowd, you know, to say the least. And they have become, they've gone from being like subversive to being dominant or in, I think pretty, yeah, they pretty much have. They've gone from being subversive to being dominant. At uh, least within the Republican party. It seems like there yes. is no base in the Republican party anymore. That is like first, maybe it was like the new England Rockefeller Republicans that kind of got pushed out like in the nineties and two thousands. And then the Bushes were like a bridge because they were old, like Connecticut wasps that were pretending to be Texans. And mm-hmm. you know, W is an evangelical and blah, blah, blah. And I think uh, it was actually maybe one of these Mooney associated advisors to George Bush that first schooled him on how to speak to evangelicals (laughs) like back in the 70s and 80s and even though you know i mean he was like kind of a really liberal like he was a big funder of planned parenthood and stuff probably for like weird population control reasons um but you know so he kind of changed his tune was like well i'm a good christian so then he was maybe a bridge between like the super far right wing and like the the texas people whatever and the kind of more blue blood establishment old school republican but maybe that coalition is kind of like broken and frayed and it really is now like the party is this like angry MAGA populist kind of thing definitely it's that is definitely that's the case deeply influenced by there's been all this sort of like effort on the trump team to sort of paint anybody who doesn't agree with him within the republican party as a rhino or republican in the name republican in name only and you know of course trump's doing all his endorsements and shit and so it just sort of like pushes that line of like they're going against like you know the republicans who don't go fucking far enough who are not fascist enough you know like they're yeah not fascist (laughs) No, yes. for real. Because I mean, the people that some of the people that he's leveled that at are like not like even moderate Republicans. No. Like they're pretty fucking conservative, like yeah. neocon types. So it's like ugh, you're pressuring them to go even further right. And then the amount of times I had to hear this week when the FBI raided that, like, what is this? Communist China? What is this? <laughs> Cuba? What is that? You know, like, it's, shut the fuck up. No, it's America. <laughs> like, we have an out of control FBI that sucks and is super corrupt. Like, you know, it's always been that way. So, yeah. you it's know, but the, but the, that's what worries me about. It's not so much that 
like, you know, the MAGA people are peddling, quote, dangerous conspiracy theories. It's that they are selectively, like, misinformed in, like, critical areas that that lead them easily to conclusions like communist China controls our government and is trying to, like, do the Great Reset on us or something like that. And, you know, it's all the com- – and it feels like if there's anything that ties all these groups together – actually, oh, I did want to bring this up. One of the things that Sean Moon leveled in that, that Japanese speech right before Abe died – where, you know, he's railing against his mother. The thing that he said, I thought was very interesting. The 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 biggest, like, I mean, there's the whole stealing his crown. That's mm-hmm. big. But the other thing that he said was unconscionable is she got into bed with China and mm-hmm. has disgraced the legacy of the Unification Church and Reverend Sun Myung, Sun Myung Moon by cozying up to the communist Chinese, which is like, literally every QAnon right wing like Bannon, Alex Jones, Epic Times, Michael Flynn, like they're all on that. And really, if you want to like go back to the OSS China team that was like that spirited away Chiang Kai-shek, like this has always been a fixation of theirs. And and now you see it as they're now that they're our main geopolitical rival and especially being Japan based, you can kind of see like the anti-Chinese sentiment would be relevant to that crowd that, you know, he, like, his big thing is, and, and so I actually, I wanted to ask you, is, have you seen anything that, like, I don't know, would either substantiate that or make you think he's making that up, like the ties between the mainline you see and China? Hmm. Off the top of my head, no. I mean, but again, that's not something I've also done, a, you know, as much research into as perhaps I should. There are just so many avenues for doing, there's just like so many things to look into sometimes that it's overwhelming. Um, oh, for but sure. Yeah, but I, yeah, I haven't seen anything. Do you think that's plausible or uh, would you say probably that they like, you know, don't have a, like that the main line you see wouldn't be connected with China no. or would do, I mean, it seems like something that they might pursue, but China does have some kind of, you know, aversion to, groups like that uh yeah yeah Yeah. um so yeah i don't know i think they probably tried in ways to sort of infiltrate china i wouldn't be you know surprised if that were a thing um Mm -hmm. and i i do think that there is you know sort of this like overarching global global capitalist class that is uh you know sort of maybe not always in cahoots but you know like billionaires will do billionaire shit with other billionaires regardless of mm. what country they're in right it's sort of like yeah, that yes. national being a billionaire makes you a transnational identity kind of person because like you're not bound to the uh bound you're not you don't they're like no bound they're no yeah they're no borders for billionaires um absolutely yeah, I, yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if maybe there is some sort of connection to like specific companies or billionaires or something like that but i again i haven't seen anything to sort of substantiate that um, but it is something, yeah, I'll look into. And if I see anything, I will also send that your way. Oh, please do. Yeah. Please do. I'm, I'm looking here. Like hmm. the, you know, the Taiwan stuff has a little bit. But you know what? I almost feel like the Taiwan thing. I don't know. I don't know what your reading of the polls has been, uh, either Lisa or, or Dimitri. But I feel like there, you know, this sort of there's been like a lot of Taiwan in the news and like hubbub mm-hmm. about like, you know, we got to, you know, you got to stand up to a bully like you go Pelosi or whatever. But I almost feel like almost in a just sort of like a, a reflexive like way in the same way that we've seen with kind of the uh, the general like or maybe not the general, but like definitely a palpable response to the Ukraine situation, like on the American right, like that, you know, 
That is They're interesting. The JD Vance type people. I feel like there's a little bit of that with Taiwan as well. Like, and just like maybe even a reflexive way, like Pelosi went there, like, so fuck them, you know? Like, so I feel like that's also a bit of a yeah. tendency. Yeah. I, I've noticed that a little bit. Like, I've noticed that it's actually the kind of less pro-Trump, like, neocon Republicans that have been like, like, I say, like a Lindsey Graham who's been like, I yeah. respect, a, you know, Congresswoman Pelosi for going over there. Yeah. You know, and but it's like the MAGA people, people are, are like, like oh, that's a lying bitch. Like, you know, yeah. they, they they don't. It's same with the, well, now that's interesting because if you look at, like, if you go through Inside the League and go through Wackel, Taiwan and Ukraine are like heavy hitters in that <laughs> yeah. basically, yeah. like, not so ex-Nazi milieu. Right. Like Lev Dobriansky, all the, you know, KMT people, like they're both so critical to like that kind of international fascist underground that was part of that whole organization that it's like, what has changed that has made the sort of Lev Dobriansky, I'm sure Lev Dobriansky himself, I think he's still alive, is probably super Slava Ukrainian stuff. But like, what is it about, you know, say like a Michael Flynn that isn't like we must, I don't know, maybe it's a, a shifting of interests. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Elisa? Like, Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I've been thinking about that a bit myself because I see sort of like a lot of very like anti-NATO sentiment uh, amongst the right, uh, you know, like among the anti-CIA, anti-FBI um, sort of stuff. They're just like, I think for them, maybe it comes into they think that NATO are too globalist. Um and they're not well, as... Well, I guess if anyone would be. Yeah, I guess they, they're they not wrong about that, I guess. In a certain uh, type of way. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think it comes back to sort of like that, like, uh, who is more concerned with, like, whatever, America first, whatever sort of values versus, like, who's more concerned with, like, international markets kind of shit. But I don't exactly know all of what is going on there and, like, maybe per se the exact motivations for people that are you know, spouting this sort of stuff. I understand why I am anti-NATO, but I don't, yeah. I'm not, I don't <laughs> understand completely all of the facets to maybe why they are. Um, but I've, I've noticed a lot of it, like they've been saying stuff like, you need to care about America first. What about our borders first? They're putting, sending too much money over there where it's not spending yep. on sort mm -hmm. of like fighting whatever is going on at the border here. So I've just like, that's the main thing I've noticed is that it's just not America first enough for them or whatever, um, because it deals with other places. Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, I could see, I I feel like, yeah, they do hate China, like, in theory, but yeah. I feel like there's not too much, like, political will to, like, do anything about it. That's, like, you know, I don't think that, like, if they were, like, okay, let's go, like, kill everyone in China, I feel like they wouldn't be on board, necessarily. Like, you know, maybe the, that, like, could change, but I feel like the real direction for at least that tendency I see is like in like honestly speaking like in terms of where i feel like the energy is directed it's towards like other people in the united states like yeah. they're the enemy the main enemy that's true uh, that they, they save their heat. towards like harming or like stopping with actual expenditure of energy like where like you could hate china intellectually but yeah. i don't think that they like they would not want to like you know that's like what the Democrats would try to do, like send a bunch of money over to China. Like they wouldn't go volunteer to fight for Taiwan, not those people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know? I would I would agree with that. And not to um, say that I don't think that that's like, you know, the whole like thing is like sus and like that there's like, you know, very sus forces that like do want to stoke like right. geopolitical uh, animosity towards China. Oh, that's like not a major geopolitical objective of the United States to uh like and yeah as you rightly said they are a primary uh, geopolitical adversary but in terms of like the 
like impression I get, like in terms of the way that the energy is like moved, like within those circles, it seems like if there was going to be like any, like the, what the real object of the vitriol is other Americans, like, you know, it, it almost feels like kill you and to, you're going to, you know, to paraphrase, like, I don't know, it was Doug Valentine or somebody else, but it's like, they almost want to skip the part where they first do the Phoenix program somewhere else and then bring it home. Yeah. They just want to do it at home. Like, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Now. You know what I mean? Like, right. They just like, they would rather like form like, apocalyptic religious death squads or something with like their golden era 15s and like go out and try to like hunt down Antifa or something right. then. And, and then maybe China, China's great as like, it's a classic cold war thing. They, that's still embedded probably in all their brains of there's gotta be a big Leviathan bad guy out there that is like, Ooh, the big communist menace. But you, I think you're, I think you're onto something that, it's like not so much about immediately like we need to start a war with China or something, but it's almost like a justification by saying, as they often do, you'll see it on like Fox News every day, that, oh, well, Biden's controlled by China. Like, yeah, you know, or they uh, David Polites. I was just thinking oh. about that. Like, just say yeah. hypothetically, there was a Chinese agent. Like, yeah, like it, we, we can't, we couldn't even think about going to fight them until we root out their agents from among us, you know, like, yeah, uh, they're puppeteering our whole society. Yeah. I don't think any of them are necessarily against, you know, sort of like, yeah, sort of getting more capital from other quarters of the globe, but I feel like they're more concerned with what's going on in America right now so that they're better able to go out and do that. Because yeah, I feel like, like part of it is them feeling like they are restricted in their ability to go out and scavenge the globe for more money that they can get from people by oppressing and murdering them. Maybe they, I think a lot of ways they feel like, you know, the state department and the intelligence agencies and like NATO and UN and stuff are like sort of kind of maybe stifling that to yeah. a degree. Whereas they feel like they have to get rid of all those or like re or dismantle it or rebuild it in a way that would be more amenable to doing that perhaps. Yeah. yeah, it almost echoes the Cold War when people would make like extremely spicy claims that like uh, Dwight Eisenhower is a communist agent. Like the entire <laughs> CIA is run by KGB people. Like, you know what I mean? Just like yeah. over the top, like literally like Carter, Soviet agent, obviously. Yeah. It's I mean, like, hey, mm -hmm. the best way to get people engaged is to tell them that the enemy is in their house, right? Because oh, so, yeah, otherwise yeah. they're not going to actually do anything. If they yeah, think you know, oh, the enemy is somewhere abroad, uh, it's not as much of an immediate threat. But yeah. if they make that threat immediately, Immediate, then they get people, you know, energized. They get people connected. Um, the CRT call is coming from inside. The yeah, house. exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, your child's gender reassignment surgery has been scheduled. Like, unless you donate to Act Rant right now or whatever. Like, <laughs> it really um, is like I mean, though the, the yeah, level of vitriol uh, for that culture war internal type stuff now yeah. is like it's such a fever pitch compared <laughs> yeah. to the appetite, which is kind of a bizarre inversion of like the '80s when as shitty as Democrats, you know, often are, like some of them were like, uh, we should ban like you sending weapons to the Contras and like what's going on down there? Like this seems bad. <laughs> like we, we should just like not try to like start World War Three. Congressional oversight there. Like the the very littlest bit is too much for them because they just want to, you know, yeah. on well, I think there is a uh, there's a quote in Inside the League that sounds very similar today. I think they're talking about the Western Goals Foundation and the American Security Council, uh, both of which were basically designed like by right wing industrialists to keep files on like so-called leftist American like sympathizers to like blacklist them from working in corporations. 
you know, and John and uh, John Singlab was like heavily associated with this. But in this book, they were talking about how, well, you know, uh, a lot of people could say that like these kind of think tanks, oh, they're just like a lot of Washington think tanks. Like most of their energy goes to like publishing newsletters nobody will read and like doing stupid conferences and having dinners and like really not affecting anything. So they're talking about, yeah, like, ooh, they don't have an effect on Congress. So it's, you know, classic liberal argument, right? Why should we care? But if one looks at the American legislative process for the effect of these ultra-right organizations, one is simply looking in the wrong place. These are people who have given up on the American system. They feel the democratic form of government is weighted against them. Congress is filled with obstructionists. The media is controlled by liberals. The government is dominated by leftists. And President Reagan isn't, quote, a true conservative. It is time to act on their own. If they can't take over the government, they will create their own government, carry out their own foreign policy, and make their own allies throughout the world. Yep. I don't know. That sounds this very similar. Amazing. It's Yeah, that's exactly like I was just going to say, like you were saying, it's like an inversion of, you know, uh, Democrats like in the past being so shitty and try, but in their own like very milquetoast way trying to do something like I was. it's almost uh, to me like I was going to say it's almost an inversion of the Iraq war in Afghanistan where where, you know, in that case, it's like we have to go spread democracy. You know, we have to like go fight for democracy. And like during that time, I was like, democracy is like such a superficial, like meaningless thing. Like it does, like, you know, it, like what the fuck does it even mean? Like, but now, like, it's amazing how democracy has like fallen so much out of favor across the board, yeah. which at this point, I don't necessarily think is uh, generally like, you know, I don't necessarily trust all the people who are like critical of like the idea of democracy, you know? So well, yeah. like, yeah, it's, it's interesting how like, yeah, we were like going to try to export democracy and now like, it's amazing how, yeah, but that quote is so interesting because yeah, it's the same thing happening now. Like we're, it's not only that we're not going to be exploring democracy. We're thinking about, we're going to dismantle this idea of democracy here, which yeah. like, you know, I still think like, yeah, you know, it's all like relative democracy is just a word like in practice, like is our government democratic? Like, no, it's completely plutocratic and oligarchic, mm -hmm. but the process of dismantling it under the auspices, like dismantling democracy to like replace it with what the fuck ever. Yeah, replace like, it with yeah. what is the, the really the question yeah, right like, like uh, monarchy you know. to peter Thiel's like monarchy monarcho whatever like monarcho libertarianism well see <laughs> like, he, he's another one that you know he is by the way he i think he's always said he was raised evangelical christian but he never says what sect mm -hmm. and his uh father he was born in west germany um so <laughs> i don't know but actually he was the one there are rumors that he bankrolled or financed the new Alex Jones documentary. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's true, but he's definitely like the people he's been like it's that click that like is all around it though. So I understand why those rumors exist and why they there, there's true. a milieu that is connected yeah. to him. Now he has two Senate candidates running that are on this kind of populist Republican platform. And he's been like influencing the culture and kind of like weird, unexpected kind of ways and doing a kind of entryism type thing. And he definitely would seem like I would definitely classify him as somebody who is contemptuous of democracy. <laughs> yes, in, for sure. In a that very West German kind of way. Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah. beyond that, he kind of restricts himself a little bit to being just sort of like a critic of things that are like messed up about the American system that sometimes you could like happen to agree with. But whenever he comes out with like what my solution would be, he's like speaking at like the Richard Nixon foundation, you know, <laughs> library and like talking, you know, about how like it was a mistake to give women the right to vote. I, I said <laughs> that years ago. 
Uh, but it's just, it gives you the creeps to think like, well, what's your ideal world that you want to replace yeah. the, this flawed democratic order with? Because in like in the, the long-term conception of the types of people that staffed and funded things like, you know, the American Security Council and all these Mooney Front organizations, democracy is trash. And like, they almost never would have picked it if like they had their druthers, you know, they like, they would have overthrown FDR in a military coup, you know, <laughs> yeah. if they could have, you know, these industrialists from Chicago who mostly founded it, you know, that even that spun out of an organization in World War One, which is ostensibly to root out, I, I think it was like the American Protective League and a few others that was, you know, meant to root out German spies, but really just like broke up IWW strikes and like basically like totally like shit jacketed like labor organizers as like enemy agents, which then flowed perfectly into the first red scare and so on. So they've been at this game for a very long time and they're, they don't really like, even if you're, you're not too precious about democracy, uh, they have absolute contempt for it. And yeah. like, they don't want to bring in a more just world, even though some no. of them converted to Catholicism no. last week uh, or something. <laughs> I don't know. So they're supposed to care about the poor, but they don't care about the poor. Like, you know, they think death squads were justifiable. That kind of yeah, thing. it's always they like the parts that. of Catholicism they like they aren't like the do. parts of taking care of the poor. It's like Francisco Franco like or something like that. Like, oh, yeah. Well, you know, the first yeah. editor of the Washington uh, Times, I think Waylon, uh, was good friends with Pinochet. <laughs> it's, you know, like, yeah. So, you know, these guys are all swimming around together and they've yeah. they managed to embed them. I mean, their persecution complex is kind of staggering given like they managed to embed themselves pretty damn well across yeah. like American systems of, you know, power since the 80s or really the 70s. But I guess they feel like, you know, NATO has been taken over by the woke libs or something. <laughs> Uh, yeah well I mean yeah it is interesting because some it is in that case it is some of the same people who were like yeah and you know like I think that it's it's easier to be critical of like the idea of democracy like when it's being used as like a pretext for like incredible violence that like ultimately doesn't like increase is like not to anybody's benefit and just like immiserates people across the world like in that case yeah like I I get like the the idea that like oh you know like what is this thing like that where like exploring what does it mean like is it like is, is this worth invading like half the world but you know once it gets to the point of i mean it's, it's an interesting dialectical thing where like uh you know and again some of the exact same people but also like you know in general like the sort of cultural power has shifted to where like yeah now we're gonna just we're actually gonna not only we're we not gonna build democracy in afghanistan we're gonna dismantle democracy in the United <laughs> States, fire everyone in the government, like, you know, bring in like a new like Wehrmacht or whatever, which, yeah, I don't think like intellectual concerns about different systems of government and like whatever aside, you know, that like they are like whatever they would do would be evil, <laughs> just evil. Oh, yep. I worry that if they, they keep poking because I have this just sense about the Democrats that like no matter despite their hatred of Trump and doing everything they can to like stop him, all their actions like kind of like mostly redound to his benefit and like make yeah. him stronger in weird ways. So I almost worry that they're like poking this like 
enraged reactionary bear over and over again and like priming his supporters up and like there's people like sean moon running around out there being like get your guns get ready we're taking it all back in 2024 and then when he gets back like you know how fucking vengeful he's gonna be and like how petty he's gonna be he's gonna fire like thousands of federal employees and stuff all in the guise of like getting rid of the deep state but then he's gonna probably staff it with all these like wackle psychos you know (laughs) so like that's not gonna be good no that's i think it's shifted a lot like i think that even now like it's kind of open that it's not really about getting rid of the deep state it's about like who is in charge of, of the deep state yeah exactly it's it was not always about, about not that. having yeah exactly like it's a yeah. bit more explicit now yeah um he but, is yeah. the deep state yeah that's the, i mean he's one faction of the deep state kind yeah. of bickering with another faction of the deep state yeah. i i yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of go, goes back into sort of like how liberalism at the end of the day always supports fascism. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yep. this is a very vulgar use of like sharpen the contradictions, but it does seem to like constantly, you know, it's this dialectical framework that we talked about, like, you know, the evangelicals like going up against Michael Aquino, where you have like these the strategy like, of tension. Exactly. Yeah. The strategy of tension where these two sides just reinforce each other. Like you see again, or the anti-cult versus cult thing yeah. where they're both yeah you know using the same methods like just abusing people for like different goals and just have like inverted perceptions of the world like they'll the cult will be like you're brainwashed and then the anti-cult will be like you're brainwashed and then it's like well i have to tie you to a chair and waterboard you and it's like no you need to be tied to a chair and waterboard it and then the mm. more like you insist that like the more the other person will be convinced of what you know, they think about you, uh, and yeah, yeah, and um, it, it, it like lo- it like degrades like both sides into like a downward spiral of like more awful, shitty behavior. Like how every liberal after twenty sixteen was like, uh, the FBI and the CIA are the most progressive organizations to ever exist. They're going to take down Trump next week. Like it's like, oh my god, they're protecting us against Russia. Yeah, I remember it's the like, Oscars oh that year was like a weird like pay on to the CIA, or was that even before Trump? Anyway, like whatever. My, but yeah, um, never mind. I was wrong. But I think that was even before. I think that was like the year of Zero Dark Thirty, even before no, was, Trump. Yeah. But yeah, no, I remember their their great embrace of how awesome and the Mueller she wrote people and <laughs> like all that shit. I mean, yeah, you talk about sharpening the contradictions, or I sh- talk about sharpening contradictions in, in this vulgar way, but also like they kind of like assimilate to each other or become more similar. As well. We've mentioned it before uh, that there's like a sick like Batman versus Joker like <laughs> kind of like dialectical struggle yeah. that seems like very concocted. It's like you call it a lot of things like Coke and Pepsi like this binary like one guy's got to be right. But like these these two forces like need each other in yeah. an eternal struggle where like neither one wins. But it's just so I feel like it's like that where you know Coke and Pepsi is an interesting example because it's like yeah you can see the sort of way these shifts and changes and like these sort of weird assimilations but also contrast like when Coke decided to roll out with new Coke and mm-hmm. which was more like Pepsi but then like everyone hated new Coke so they went back to Coca-Cola Classic which Coke is still known as today and like so then everyone was like yeah I love Coke even more like and yeah so it was like becoming like its rival but then in doing that, it like you know sharpened its distinction from it, and like yeah, yeah it's the same. Yeah. Pete Buttigieg is Coca Cola classic, like twenty twenty four. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, like remember me, like the CIA agent who got elected president, like Obama. Um, no, well, yeah. but yeah, I think um, it, this has been a great conversation. I think we're we're kind of in the last like you know ten ish minutes here. Um, 
I mean, it's like you really could keep going forever with. Right. There's yeah, so many like, layers and layers of. Yeah. Uh, just weird ass intrigues. Um, yeah, everyone should check out the books that we mentioned for sure. Like, I'm just trying to think of what I'm sure we named all of them. Yeah, like, Gifts Bad of Deceit. Good. Yeah, Bad Moon Deceit. Rising, which you can download for free, and also Inside the League. Yeah, Inside the League for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you you were mentioning Elisa that you are about to like set up a new project. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So uh, some of my ex community cohorts and I have this sort of uh, educational collective slash sort of functioning as a book club for us right now, as well as a way to heal, uh, as well as a way to sort of potentially we're going to try to sort of do some de-radicalization work within uh, the Mooney community. But uh, I'm going to be setting up the Instagram, the Facebook, and the Twitter for that. After I get off of this call, um, it's All called right. deprogramming imperialism. So sort of like a, a nudge nudge at sort of like the, you know, the deprogramming thing, but like sort of retaking the word because, you know, obviously the deprogramming thing is shitty. But when you apply it to the imperialism context, it's important. So um, if you want to give that a follow, that'd be great. Yeah, we'll reshare that. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. That sure. sounds I was telling you, I think it sounds really great, like specifically uh, for ex Moonies, of course. And I, I think also that that process of like just d- doing reading and research and educating yeah. like yourself further on the different layers yeah. and like connections of a group like this. Well, I think you said it can kind of have like a healing effect. Yeah. Um, really does. As, and it's also political education, you yeah. know, straight right. up and. And I think I said, you know, maybe like probably you could even stretch that concept maybe out like all Americans could use a little bit of like deprogramming from yeah. imperialism, not in the sketchy like waterboarding kind of way. Right. But in terms of, you know, we're all a little bit a cult of empire, or, yeah. you know, a mentality of empire. And a lot of uh, a lot of myths can be shattered by reading about like what actually happens in the yeah. world like how you know how did we get here who are these different organizations and milieus that have like inordinate influence on like the world that we live in today who built the world kind of and how do they tie into like the broader theoretical kind of concepts of like imperialism and capitalism and stuff because it's really all like it is all connected you know like this is a really good example of that the nefarious interlocks of kind of uh, insincere religion intelligence activities and profit-seeking business and like mk ultra stuff and corrupting the bourgeois political process so yeah. yeah, and where can people find you on social media? So uh, my Twitter is Alisa Majoub, uh, A L I S A underscore M A H J O U B. See, I've got a Patreon. It should be under my name. The link to it in my Twitter bio as well. Um, cool. And then I just do want to do a couple of shout outs. You know, yeah. if you're on Twitter, follow John Gorenfeld. Uh, follow also How Well Do You Know Your Moon, which is an amazing blog. Uh, yeah. Has a a, a large amount of history and documents about the church. Uh, a couple of my friends are on that. And then also I would suggest like for more information, looking into uh, the the late journalist Robert Parry has with his consortium news uh, had a lot of really good articles about sort of the moon empire and stuff. So there's like a whole, uh, there's like, yeah, a whole series of those on uh, the consortium news website. I would say check those out as well. Yeah. He's a legend. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We stand Robert Perry. Incredible work. Yeah. I was just well, wondering, uh, like, to close us out, would would it be okay if we read that quote from Inside the League? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, in one thirty, right? Yeah, you want to read that? Yeah, let me pull it up. Mm. All right, so this is from the book Inside the League, which we've talked about a couple times here. Um, mm. It's page 
130, um, there is a quote here. It says, uh, this is, it says, current Mooney involvement with government officials, contractors, and grantees could create a major scandal. If their activities and role became public knowledge, it will unite both the left and the right in attacking the administration. Mooney involvement leaves the government open to charges that can only be called mind-boggling. If efforts are not taken to stop their growing influence and weed out current Mooney involvement in government, the president stands a good chance of being portrayed by the media as a poor, naive, incompetent. And let's see, what was that from exactly? That was um, from a defense analysis. That's a Pentagon-funded yeah. think tank. Uh, the Institute of Defense Analysis uh, warned that, I think, before the 1984 elections, they were, like, warning Reagan that this could be a huge problem if any of this shit actually got out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess lucky for them, it really didn't. Um, not at the yeah. time, yeah. Not at the time, yeah. I guess it said... Later, any thought that this festering problem will go away if ignored is foolish. There have been comments in the media about Mooney activities and the likelihood of a reporter or a Democratic staff member piecing the total picture together is too great to be neglected. That's ominous. Um, But that's funny. It's like a Pentagon think tank being like, don't let them find out about Moon. (laughs) Like they're not saying like they're not saying stop collaborating with Moon. They're just saying like, be careful. We can't let anybody find out about this. Be more quick about it. Which is, you know, kind of what they tried to do. But thankfully, there have been people who, you know, for the longest time have been sort of piecing the shit together. So um, I would consider myself in sort of like a line of very, you know, uh, people doing sort of important work. And uh, I don't know, I guess I'm glad I'm able to sort of continue that um, as a part of my group and whatnot. But there's just so much more to uncover and I, I I thank you guys so much for having me on here because like, I'm trying to get the word out. Of oh, yeah. No, thank you. Thank you this is so on. enlightening. Yeah. I think uh, we we learned a lot. And uh, for yeah. you to speak like from a personal perspective about being a part of this organization is, I think, mm-hmm. really powerful. Thank you. So it's not just some abstract thing on the conspiracy bookshelf, you know, that yeah. nobody has to take seriously. This is real. You know, it's, it's like people's lives. It's yeah. damned so many people, and you know, of course, people have fucking died from it all over the globe too. Um, mm-hmm. And it's stuff that goes on still today and informs the world we're in now, including the prime minister, the ex prime minister of Japan. Apparently, right. you know, yeah, not that he's a some kind of hero, but or, yeah. you know, he still yeah, died as a result of something yes. to do with the Moonies. And my worry is that you know, if things continue to go unchecked, there will just be more and more of that pain and death and horror. And, uh, yeah, so yeah. being able to prevent any amount of that is good in my book. Um, even just sort of like letting people know that this is a thing that's happening. Um, yeah, I think that's true. I think that, you know, it's very obscure for a lot of people like yeah. that. This is something that is the force that it is. That's something that can't really be emphasized enough. Like the, and that really could slip from like the consciousness around like Abe's assassination or anything people, most people, you know, just forget it even happened. They're like, who? But, you know, it really, it, it, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a warning. It's kind of like a warning sign, I think, to people like all over uh, yeah. about that, you know, this is something that is worth keeping an eye on because it's really, it's picking up steam and it's been yeah. picking up steam for decades. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it never stopped. And mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I think moreover, like the the habits and tactics and like structures that were pioneered by Moon and his organization have only like spread and blossomed into a thousand other shady phenomena in our world. Yeah. So it's really imperative, I think, that we like, like understand it. Jobs of yeah. uh, 
like cults. Um, yeah, he really was. Or, yeah, one of them. That's that's a that's a very contested title, but definitely he's in the running. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I put it up there because Steve Jobs yeah. is sus. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, no. I think it's important for people like understanding like the interplay between like the overworld, the political overworld, and the underworld. Yeah. That this this is how it actually goes down. This is the type of stuff that goes on. And yeah. we got to be uh, got to be very aware. So yeah. thank you Arguably again. Steve Alisa. Jobs is the Steve Jobs Steve of cults. Right? I guess, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. No, it is. It actually is. I mean, I, I worked there <laughs> at like an Apple store for like two years. Like I was there like when he died and people were putting like vigil, like flowers and like pictures of him outside. There's like random people showing up and they're like, Steve, like, you know, and there's like a uh, huge, almost like a Kim, Kim Il-sung, like huge portrait of him on like the, I'd, like I never saw it, but I heard this is what it was like <laughs> on the Apple campus and everyone just, you know, you only refer to him as Steve. Like uh, you never say like Steve Jobs. This is Steve. He's a regular guy just like you. I don't know. Mm, and yeah, no, fearless feedback. I'll always remember fearless feedback. Fearless feedback. Oh, yeah. I mean, the 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 like kind of, they, they cribbed some things passive, from. Passive uh, aggressive Synanon uh, yeah. therapy. <laughs> they would do Synanon uh, games and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it can pop up anywhere, but mm. uh, we've, we've. You know, I think we've cracked open a little understanding today. So thank you so much, Elisa, for joining us. Yes, thank you. Thank you. It's great to have you. And uh, until next time, dear listeners, stay vigilant. Peace. The whole world created by the Lord God. Communism also centralized media, communications, creates an environment where political class will be able to control the messaging that the population consumes, and communism implements free education for all children in public schools, but really gives indoctrination. Centralized education through government schools always leads to the justification of state coercion, power, and theft. It forces an atheist ideology because belief in God and thus obedience to God would supersede obedience to the state. This has resulted in the youth being indoctrinated to scoff at God as mythology to hate morality and to hate meritocracy, thus creating a culture of victimology, perpetually uh, creating envy and entitlement against those who are more productive. Government indoctrination shapes the landscape of people's minds, and we see this today with the government control of the internet, resulting in censorship, banning of accounts and arrests of conservative views, views for dissenting views against the infallibility of government. We see media being used to promote illegal, unscientific, unconstitutional, face mask muzzling and forced vaccination orders around the world. This diminution of human sovereignty and increase in centralized government of power displays the will of Satan, not of God. Good morning, patriots and freedom-loving people made in the image of God. We are honored and pleased to have you at the beautiful Car Arms property celebrating America, the Second Amendment, the culture of armed, responsible citizenry. I also want to acknowledge the sacred Vietnam Wall Memorial and thank the combat veterans and the planning committee with all our friends and their families who made this event possible. Let's give it up one time for our Vietnam, Vietnam War Memorial and the combat vets. Also, we are happy to be joined here with other freedom fighters from around the world who are fighting in their respective countries for a Second Amendment that we enjoy and often take for granted 
here in the U.S. If the right to keep and bear arms is a natural right, like our framers stated, then it is a human right, and all human beings should have that right of self-defense against tyranny. We celebrate freedom this day because in 1950, my father, the Reverend Sun Young Moon, who our tradition honors as a returning Jesus, was freed from a North Korean death camp by U.S. Armed Forces, where he was imprisoned and scheduled for execution for preaching the gospel. God sent good men with guns, that stopped bad men with guns, that led to my father's freedom, which without myself, my brother, or a whole, whole worldwide church community would not be here today. As our true father, he taught us to vigorously protect God's gift of liberty, to always be willing to die, to fight communism, socialism, which he defined as political Satanism, and to build godly marriages and family, building a world of capable, armed, and trained citizens known as the Peace Police and Peace Militia, whose motto is love God and love your neighbor. The Freedom Festival is named the Rod of Iron Freedom Festival because in the scriptures, the rod of iron symbolizes God's reign over evil and dominion of the earth. The rod of iron is the accoutrement that judges the wicked and the criminal class and, quote, shatters the nations into pieces like the potter's vessel. God's kingdom depicts a decentralized, armed society that is an image of the chief shepherd. The shepherd's hook staff is to catch and rein in his sheep from harm, and the shepherd's rod is to punish the wolves and predators that seek to kill his sheep. In the same way, the rod of iron that is given to the believers in Christ allows the good guys to have arms to defend the sheep and to punish the wicked when needs be.